0: Beautiful and palatial Ultimate Sports Talk.com radio studios. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dave Mitchell. Welcome to the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, and this is one of those nights you are not going to want to miss tonight's show. Not going to want to do it. We have got a couple of great guests for you here this evening from NFLFemale.com. Kate Ahar, who is also Cleveland Kate on Twitter. And you can join us here in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking with Kate. And boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know how this woman does not have a job on terrestrial radio. I really don't. But you're going to enjoy listening to her. And we're also in the second half hour going to bring on Cody Nagel. He's the ace from Macho Men Radio. You can hear that here on Ultimate Sports Talk. But glad to have you along here this evening. We're going to be with you for the next hour talking about what's going on mainly around football. But... There's a lot of other stuff going on around in the world of sports An NBA icon has passed on Preseason football has continued And, of course, we've got the continuing saga of Johnny Manziel All that coming up on tonight's show But first... Well, unfortunately, the older I get, the older... NBA icons get, and another one passed away earlier today. Daryl Dawkins, a.k.a. Chocolate Thunder, passed away early this morning. He was 58 years old. The Lehigh County, Pennsylvania Coroner's Office said Dawkins died early this morning at the hospital. The Dawkins family said a heart attack is what was the cause of death, but officials are going to schedule an autopsy for tomorrow. Dawkins spent parts of 14 seasons in the NBA with Philadelphia, New Jersey, Utah, and Detroit. He averaged 12 points and 6.1 rebounds per game in his 726 career regular season games, but it was the relationship that Dawkins and the rim used to have. He'd taunt it, attack it, swing on it, but the rim always had the last laugh until... A night in 1979 in Kansas City when he tore the backboard into a thousand pieces. Bill Robenzine, who was under the basket, he's a former Cavalier, and he's gone now too, had to have his head checked for glass. Dawkins 76ers teammate Steve Mix, who used to play at the University of Toledo, rushed to the locker room, dug out a camera, and snapped pictures. And 76ers coach Billy Cunningham complained about the 90-minute delay. And it was because of that incident that the breakaway rim was created. And that was when Dawkins named himself Chocolate Thunder. Daryl Dawkins passed away earlier this morning at the age of 58. Time comes and time goes, but is Johnny Manziel ever going to prove himself The quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, well, it's not going to be in this year's preseason because Manziel's sore elbow is preventing him from being under center for the Browns not only on Saturday, but Browns coach Mike Pettin has also ruled him out for the preseason finale against the Chicago Bears on September 3rd. So is Manziel really the number two quarterback? Well, obviously you've got to believe that's the case. If you listen to Browns coach Mike Pettin, he says there's no structural damage to the quarterback's elbow, but he's not going to play. And Pettin also came out and said yesterday that this is an injury that Johnny Menzel has dealt with over the past few years ever since high school. Now, if the Browns knew that, why didn't somebody whisper in the ear of Jimmy Haslam on the night two years ago, draft night, that Haslam just managed to either text, whisper in the ear, or just walk into the draft room and say, we are going to draft the kid out of Texas A&M. Somebody needed to tell him that, other than the hobo on the side of the street that Jimmy Haslam apparently talked to before the draft, and that guy told him, pick Manziel. So Haslam went back into the draft room and said, we're going to pick Manziel instead of Teddy Bridgewater. But right now, Teddy Bridgewater, by the way, is playing pretty well for the Minnesota Vikings. But that, beyond the case, Johnny Manziel just isn't going to play. So the Browns went out and signed another quarterback today. Pat Devlin, used to play for the Miami Dolphins, has not taken a snap in a regular season NFL game. But now it's going to be up to him and Thad Lewis to battle it out for the number two spot on the quarterback depth chart, depending upon the extent... Of Manziel's injury, which is going to get a second opinion. What's going to happen? Nobody seems to know. Well, the Browns are going to play Tampa Bay this weekend on Saturday, and the quarterback situation, as well as everything else on the Browns, is up in the air. But instead of listening to me, I think it's time for you to get another perspective. So let's go to the Browns beat reporter for NFLfemale.com, Kate Arhart, a.k.a. Cleveland Kate. We'd like to welcome to our ultimate sports talk microphones here this evening, Cleveland Kate, Kate Arhar, who is on the air on NFLfemale.com with her shows on Voice It at Mondays at 6 and Fridays at 6. She goes on Twitter at CLVLNDK8, the number eight. Kate, thanks for joining us here tonight. How you doing?
1: I am wonderful. Anytime I get to talk football, it's a good day. <laughs> well, As soon as we get done
0: talking about the Browns, then we can talk football. How's that?
1: Okay. (laughs) Nice. Is that how this is going to go? All right. All right. No, I got, I got, I'm used to it.
0: So tell me, Kate, this has been probably, and and I've covered the Browns for the last 35, 40 years. This has been about the most uneventful, boring training camp I have ever been involved in. What are you thinking?
1: Isn't it nice? Isn't it nice that there's no off-the-field crap going on? You know, there are probably 25 other teams who don't know what it's like during training camp to talk about anything except what's going on on the football field. This shouldn't be surprising to us. The thing that makes it strange is that you get a lot of uh, sports talk and media folks who try to create stories where there really aren't any um, because there's nothing to talk about. It's been very nice that we're looking at what's going on on the field. We're looking at what the lineup's going to be for this the the starting lineup for the season and and looking at the injuries to see if we're deep enough to overcome the minor injuries that we've had so far i kind of like it
0: you know it it's been nice but it's almost got the feeling of apathy around it
1: no, I think it's more um, from a fan perspective. The people I talk to, they're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for that other suit because this is Cleveland. There's always something. <laughs> so whether it's going to end up being Gilbert or whether something's going to happen with Mandel now that he's, he's, tweaked his elbow a little bit or something. They're all just, they're afraid to say anything because they're afraid to jinx it. They're just waiting for that other shoe for somebody to get pulled over arrested or, or you know, pictures in a nightclub or whatever. They're, we're waiting for it to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think Patton is running a very tight ship and people are taking this seriously and they're behaving like grown-up overpaid professionals and they're going to stick to the field.
0: All right, first of all, Mike Patton. I think <laughs> this guy is going to be an outstanding football coach. I think they just got to get him some players
1: that he can coach. Agreed. But part of that is getting him a coaching staff that's stable. So he's got to keep the same defensive coordinator for a few years. We switched offensive coordinators. The Shanahan thing just didn't work out. He and Flip seem to be on the same page. It seems to be going well. So if I can go into next season and keep those three, you know, the same with Pet and O'Neill and Flip, then I think you have a better chance of the three of them working with Ray Farmer, and Jimmy Haslam's checkbook to get us the players we need. Until you you really know what your offensive scheme is going to be long-term, you can't do anything but you know rent a plug-and-play guy for one year because you don't know if he'll fit into the scheme that the next OC brings to you. I need some consistency here so that I can get players in here long-term that'll fit the program.
0: So what do you think about Jimmy Haslam as far as he says that he will be consistent with this coaching staff, but there's a lot of thoughts out there that if they win three, four, five games, then Pettin might be on the, the chopping block.
1: It, it depends on how they win them and how they lose them. If they lose them because we don't have enough offense, then everybody from you know the national media down to my four-year-old grandson knows that we don't have enough offense right now. So if that's how the season plays out, then Jimmy has to take a little bit of responsibility for the fact that we don't have offense. If the defense is as good as we think it is and is worth the 65% of the salary for the team salary that we're paying them, then I think the jobs are secure because there's not going to be any surprises. If we have surprises on the defensive side of the ball, people could lose their jobs. But at the same time, Jimmy strikes me as a guy who doesn't like to be wrong, who doesn't like to come out and publicly say things and then have to turn around and eat his words and he doesn't say very much. So for me, when he said these guys' jobs weren't on the line, I kind of believe him because he's not going to want to have to come back at at the end of the season and say, oops, my bad, i got to cut all these guys. i got to fire them and start over again. He doesn't want to do that.
0: That being said, let's move (laughs) to the quarterback position where (laughs) the circus now has suddenly got an elbow injury, which we're finding out through Mike Pettin he's had since high school. Do you really believe that, Ray Farmer picked Manziel. Do you think that that was a Haslam
2: pick?
1: I think it was a Haslam pick. And I think it was the last thing that Jimmy has done to really put his hands on this team because it didn't work out the way he thought it would. And I think he was a new owner wanting to dabble a little bit. You know, that was really an important draft for him. After all of the non-football-related issues he was dealing with, with, with the Pilot Flying J situation, he really wanted to be a football owner, and he wanted to dabble a little bit in it, and I firmly believe he had a hand in, in that Manziel pick, but I think he's also seen that he doesn't know as much about football as he thinks he does and that maybe he needs to back up and let the football minds do what they do because I think this year's picks he was very hands-off on. I think he, was, he let them do it because I saw a pattern to this year's picks that made a lot more sense to me than the prior year did, and that filled some really big needs. And Danny Shelton may end up being my favorite <clears throat> first-round draft pick that the Browns have for the last 15 years.
0: I would agree with you on Shelton. Yes, absolutely. I think that was a no-brainer. But didn't Haslam mm-hmm. learn anything after being a part owner with the Steelers and watching how the Rooney family handles things?
1: But I don't know how, how involved he was. I don't know if that was just sort of a, you know, I get to go to parties and walk the red carpet at events and tell people I am part of the team. Or if he was actually involved in meetings, involved in the the behind-the-scenes stuff, involved in the draft room. Because if you're not there, you don't know how much influence the Rooneys have over what's going on. And so I'm not sure just how involved he was other than owning a piece of it. I own a share of AT&T stock, but I have no idea what decisions they're making in the boardroom. (laughs) It doesn't make me important to them just because I own a piece. But I can say I own a piece. You know what I mean? So you didn't have anything to do with them buying DirecTV? I did not. I did not. Not a fan of that move at all. Sent me a harsh email. (laughs) Because the price of my NFL Sunday ticket went up. I was not happy.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I understand (laughs) what you're saying on that one. Johnny Manziel, you're a fan.
1: I am. I am. I'm not married to him. If he doesn't work, he doesn't work. But I think he's got potential. I think he showed um, potential in college. And I understand that the college game does not translate Um, 100% into the NFL game, especially the way they ran the offense for him at Texas. They really didn't have a playbook. It was more, go out there, see what you see. If you want to run, run. If you want to throw, just just lob it anywhere in a 10-yard radius around Mike Evans, and he'll find a way to get it and come down. And he, last year, the crash and burn did him a lot of favors because it showed him what, you know, how much he didn't know about the NFL and what he needs to do if this is what he wants to do. And I like the work and the time and the seriousness that he's giving the job now, the maturity that he's shown. Last week in the Buffalo Bills game, he throws that beautiful touchdown pass and he starts running down there and he stops and looks at one of the defenders. And you know that defender said something to him. And instead of being the old Johnny and lipping off and saying something back or giving him the middle finger, he just turned his head and went right back down the field with his team. And that was a a big thing for me to see that he is taking this more seriously. However, if he can't play, he can't play. If he can't get it, he can't get it. I love Matthew Del Vidova on the Cavaliers, but he's not a starting point guard. There's a role for him. You don't need role players like that when you're talking about a quarterback. He needs to be an NFL quarterback. And I think we've hit the wall right now with how much he can learn from watching film and from studying the playbook and from reps with the twos at training camp. He needs to be on the field starting a game with the ones to really start making adjustments to his game. We need to know if he can read a defense. Right now they've got him limited, from what I can tell, in stay in the pocket, roll out if you need to on your second or third progression, but don't start running just yet because nobody trusts his judgment on when to run. He needs to be comfortable in the, in the pocket and behind the line. The problem is he's not 6'4". He's 5'11", on a good day, in cleats, with his hair poofed up, he's 5'11". He can't see over the lineman when he's in the pocket. So what Flip's doing with rolling him out is giving him lanes, giving him passing lanes, giving him vision to see down the field. And as he learns to do more of that and get more confidence from the coaches, he'll also get more confidence from the veterans to see if they'll trust him to actually play in a game. I would say by week eight, if they're smart, he'll actually start for the Browns on Sundays if he's ready Um, because they have to know what he is this year. If he never starts a game this year, I don't see how he's on our roster next year. We've gone too many years without a guaranteed 100% quarterback at center. I'm going to be starting my 23rd quarterback week one with Josh McCown, and I don't have time to keep wasting on Johnny if he can't do it. So I think he can. I think he's got the potential to do it, and he's showing me signs. But I'm not married to him. If I have to cut bait instead of fishing with Johnny, then that's what I do and then it's time to mortgage the farm to get me a quarterback in the first round of next year's draft.
0: Cleveland our guest on Ultimate Sports Talk. Kate, (laughs) you know, I was thinking the other day, it's been 35 years since Bernie Kosar was the starting quarterback of the Browns. Now, they dabbled a little bit with Vinny Testaverde, and he had some success under Belichick in that 94 season, but it's been since 85 since the Browns have had a very successful quarterback.
1: It's been that long since I knew at a 4th of July family picnic who my quarterback was going to be. Other teams don't do this. Other teams aren't having conversations at their 4th of July family picnic on who do you think the starter is going to be this year because they know who it is. Look at all the teams that were in the playoffs last year. None of those teams have quarterback problems like I have. They all knew who their quarterback was going to be when the draft was going on. They have to get a quarterback. The problem is we keep changing owners and we keep changing head coaches and we keep changing general managers and we keep changing office. I mean, without any stability at the top, you can't get the players you need to, to fill the roles and to, to do the job correctly. And so I don't know if you've got a chicken in the egg thing, if missing on quarterbacks like Tim Couch and Brady Quinn and Colt McCoy over the years led to, the coaches all getting fired, or if they were the wrong coaches to begin with who drafted the wrong players, I don't know. Tim Couch got a raw deal here in that you took a rookie quarterback on an expansion team with a crap offensive line, and he just got killed. Who knows what he could have done if he had been anywhere but here. So, you know, I hear young guys talk about how they want to go number one in the draft. The high school guys around here, I always caution them. I'm like, you understand, when you go to the top of the draft, you're going to a really bad team. <laughs> you you kinda want to go fifteen to twenty two. That's really more where you want to be. You don't really want to be at the top of the draft. Um, and from a quarterback perspective, we've just we've just not gotten it right. And it's so difficult. I can't begin to worry about Sammy Watkins or Dwayne Bowe or who I should be finding on, you know, to be a wide receiver or a tight end when I'm not sure who my quarterback is. We can't practice the running game at training camp and in preseason games because we're trying to evaluate which quarterback is going to start for us. That's why it takes us a couple weeks to get the running game going because we're too busy giving reps to the quarterbacks and the receivers to make decisions on those roster spots. It's just getting difficult, and I feel like this season has to be about is Johnny the guy or not, and if he's not, let him go and go get somebody who is. There are enough quarterbacks coming out next year that you can get yourself a number one no brainer quarterback next year and it'll cost you, but you can get one next year. We just have to find out. I can't survive a six and ten, three and thirteen, even a hell, even an eight and eight season with Josh McCown, if it doesn't answer the question, is my future quarterback on this roster?
0: Cleveland Kate, our guest here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Kate, the Browns worst nightmare is Brian Hoyer becomes a success in Houston.
1: Eh It's a different scheme, it's a different system, and I'm I'm not sure, I know, well, but we do that all the time. We did that when Phil Dawson left and went to San Francisco, my Twitter timeline was full of, Phil just kicked another field goal and Phil did this. (laughs) I mean, we, we watch everyone who leaves Cleveland become amazing somewhere else and we take it personally. If, if Brian Hoyer wasn't the right fit for what they want to do here long term, then he wasn't the right fit. But let's face it, in Houston, he's, he's what, 34 years old? He's not their quarterback for the next 10 years either. He's filling a role there until they make a decision or decide what they're going to do long-term at that position. People here felt like they we needed more, and I think, and this is just a guess, I think management wanted to bring in a quarterback like Josh McCown who was willing to be more of a mentor to Johnny because I think because he was Caswell's pick, they're committed to Johnny and finding out what he can do. And Brian Warner rightfully still believes he can be a starter in the league. And Brian needs to take care of Brian. I don't think it was ever in Brian's mind his job to teach Johnny how to be a quarterback. Whereas Josh McCown's had 13 years. He's been a starter. He's reasonably, I think, intelligent enough to know that he's not going to get another four or five year stud quarterback contract. So he's doing what he can to keep working in the league right now and it's been paying off because I've seen a lot of conversations between him and Johnny at training camp. I've seen him lead by example. He knew, excuse me, all of the receivers' names. The the last time I was at camp they were doing passing drills and every time somebody would either catch a ball, he would say, you know, nice catch Travis, nice catch, you know, Terrell whatever. He was calling them all by name. He was walking up to him, patting him on the butt. He was, you know, you could tell by his hand and She's like, all right, you want that a little to the right? You want me to throw that up high for you? He seemed to be having conversations with them, um, trying to connect with them. Where do you want the ball to come to you? How do you like it? Do you know, like it hard? Do you like it fast? Do you like it up, down, whatever? And Johnny's standing next to him listening to all this. So he's leading by example of, you're the quarterback. You need to have a relationship with your receivers. You guys need to you know, hang out and go to dinner and have conversations with each other and get along so that you're on the same page. And I think that's going to benefit Johnny, where Brian, and again, rightfully so, wants to be a starter in the NFL, and it just wasn't what management had in mind here. So I wish him all the luck in the world in Houston. But I know, like you said, the first touchdown pass he throws in a regular game, my timeline on Twitter is going to blow up. You know, we should have never let him go. He should still be here. And that's just not what this team needs right now.
0: You know, speaking of which, What's the situation now with Terrell Pryor? He's just now getting back from that hamstring injury, but I think the coaches kind of threw the gauntlet down on him earlier this week, and that's why he's on the field.
1: And I think he needs to be on the field. He needs to kind of suck it up again. You know what? You're not a quarterback anymore. You're not a prima donna. Quarterbacks like Johnny – And like Terrell did when he was, you know, playing the quarterback position. If you hurt and if you're a little sore, well, you're the quarterback. So you go over there and rest, and we'll wait for you to get better. And everybody else on that roster is sucking it up and playing through pain and playing through injury. I think he's got some soreness now, but they're at the point where there's not a risk of further injury. He's just got to play through this last little bit. And he needs to get on the field. I firmly believe he needs to make the 53-man roster. And he doesn't have to be the best wide receiver at camp. He just has to be the 53rd best player at camp because we don't have a game changer. We don't have a playmaker. We don't have someone that defenses are going to plan for and that they're going to be a little bit afraid of and that they're going to double-team. We don't. He has the potential to be that. We haven't seen it, and he's got to show us something, but the potential of what he could be His ceiling has got to be higher than anyone else on that field right now from a rookie or a a new guy standpoint. I don't see how you don't take a chance and leave him on the roster. The last thing you want to do is wave him or put him on the practice squad and let someone else pick him up because, you know, Jordy Nelson's out for the year, and he's not going to be the last receiver with an injury between now and week one, and so teams are looking for somebody, and they will absolutely take a chance on prior. And he just... He could be amazing. And I'm not just saying that as a Buckeye honk. I'm saying it as someone who watched how athletically gifted he was at Ohio State, who knows that a second set of eyes with a quarterback brain on the field would be amazing. The conversations he could have with McCown and Mansell on what he's seeing from the slot position or out with the bubble screen, you know, you get him a ball behind the line of scrimmage and let him run, he'll be untouchable. So there are just so many good things. I think it was more of a... Of a team move, sort of a team morale kind of a thing. Of dude, you need to get out there and and suck it up and work through this little bit of pain, so your teammates don't think you're a list. and and maybe a little PR with the fans of see he's playing, don't count him out yet, he's he'll be all right, he's playing, and and we'll see how it goes. But I just I love the feeling that he brings and the idea of what he could be, and so I'm willing to make sure he's on that 53 man roster, whether he plays in preseason or not.
0: So, best-case scenario, your thoughts on what the Browns can finish this year?
1: Eight and eight. I looked at the schedule, eight and eight. If nobody gets injured and if everything rolls our way, I see eight winnable games on the schedule. Um, It it just depends on when the Johnny experiment kicks in, when they decide he's learned enough to start playing and how he does when he's thrown into the fire. But... Um, the the schedule's got some games on it that I think, you know, again, there are eight games that I think are winnable games. We've got a really good defense, a really nice secondary. Um, We've got a running game that if we can do anything in the passing game, the running game will be successful. If we can't throw the ball at all, it doesn't matter how good my runners are and how good my offensive line is. They're going to stack eight men in the box every time because they know all you can do is run. So I can't be one-dimensional. I have to at least have some semblance of a passing game, but I'll be able to run the ball if we can do that. And this is AFC North football, and it's going to snow here. You have to be able to run the ball. So I think on those two, with those two things, all things being equal, like I said, at no injuries, that Mack injury did us in last year. We could have had 10-11 wins last year if Alex Mack doesn't get hurt. Or if Josh Gordon comes back and isn't a jackass, excuse my language. So... (laughs) i am I'm, I'm incredibly hopeful that and 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 saddened at the same time when I'm hoping for an eight mate season because that doesn't feel it may be normal in Cleveland, but on a national level, normal people don't root for five hundred
0: <laughs> absolutely okay Cleveland Kate is our guest. want to switch gears here just a little bit. Let's talk just a minute about the Indians, which is about the, mm-hmm. old, the about as much time as anybody talks about the Indians but you mm-hmm. know just. They're driving me crazy this year, Kate, because this team, just when you think they're out, they're back in. They're five <laughs> games out of the wild card right now. They're off today. But, you know, there's five weeks to go in the season. They
1: pick up a game a week. They're, they're in the wild card. I know, and it's sad and depressing because it, it's it's just more reasons for the Dolans to tell me in the off season that we're fine the way we are and we don't need to spend any money and make any moves. But and the more one dollar dog nights. Yes. The one stat that nobody wants to talk about. Everybody's talking about five games out and everybody's watching the playoff rate. Do you know how many games out we are in our division? <laughs> 17. 18.
0: 18 now? Okay.
1: 18 as of this morning. And I'm appalled that nobody wants to talk about the fact that we are that bad in our division you have to for any sport i think there are two keys to having a successful team two things that you have to look at during the season and and you can use those to measure how your team is doing one of them is how often are you winning at home and the other one is how many games are you winning in your division because you know you have to play your division opponent every year the rest of the schedule rotates and it moves around every year your division, when you're drafting, when you're looking at your lineups, when you're doing anything, especially with the tribe, you've got to chase Detroit. You've got to chase the Royals. The Twins and the, that Chicago team that I don't like to talk about are never really relevant anymore. It's always been about Detroit. And instead of catching Detroit, because I think we're either tied or within a half game of Detroit, we didn't catch them. They fell back to us. And that's pitiful. And the Royals have just gone insane. And if I, if I discount the amazing season they're having. I'm still, I think, the Twins are 12 games behind the Royals. I'm still that far behind everyone else in my division. It's just being mediocre is not okay. And having your goal at the beginning of the year feel like we're just going for the wild card is just not okay. And the Dolans need to start spending some money because I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm going to sound like every other person in Cleveland. You don't get me a bat, get me someone in my lineup, You know, we just talked about game changers and and that with football. It's the same thing with baseball. You need one bat in your lineup that people are afraid of, that they're going to pitch around, that alters the way the pitcher treats hitters one, two, and three, because he's worried already about number four when he gets here. And we don't have that guy. And then I see that Brantley... Oh, God help you. (laughs) not Carlos Santana. Um, When you have guys like Kipnis and Brantley who are really close to winning the AL Central, you know, the AL hitting title, and I'm like, that's great for them, but that didn't get me any extra wins. They're hitting now, but I need consistency, and I need something else, because even if somehow we make up these five games and limp into the playoffs, I don't know if the bats can stay hot enough. We've got pitching, but I don't know if the bats will stay hot enough. I'm not baseball girl. I'm football girl, but I know very few things about baseball, but one of the things that I do know is it's a very streaky game. You can win a whole bunch in a row, and then all of a sudden you're going to lose a whole bunch in a row. And that can happen to us now just as easily it can happen to anybody else. So we could win all these games to get in there, only to lose in the playoffs. And again, I don't want to give the Dolans one more excuse to not make improvements to this team where they're needed. Just because you have a couple young guys who are playing like their hair's on fire because they're finally in the big doesn't mean... I'm gonna, you know, come out next year and win any more games in April and May than I did this year. We're we're losing our seasons in the first three months, and that's got to get fixed.
0: Good points. A uh, couple quick items <laughs> here. Kate Cleveland. Kate is our guest here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Switching to the Cavaliers real quick. What is Tristan Thompson thinking?
1: I don't know, but he's not signed yet, and it's making me crazy. On the bright side. I'm seeing no rumors that anybody else is talking to him. I'm not seeing him making visits to other teams. I'm not seeing any other offers on the table. So I'm not sure why he's sitting at home Saturday night and waiting for someone to call and ask him out when he's got a you know a standing offer from us that he can come in and take. I don't know what he's doing. Um, if it's a big, huge, giant game of chicken, then I hold. I hope the Cavs just stand pat and wait because nobody else is interested. <clears throat> I think everybody knows ultimately he's going to sign here. Why would he leave? We are the odds-on favorite to win the title this year. If we stay healthy, how we should have won it last year. If we stay healthy, I think that's going to be – I'm going to have to add it to my chat, too. In Cleveland, if we stay healthy, everything is – you know. But if we stay healthy, there's no reason why he's not going to come out of this season with the ring, and why would you go anywhere else? There are enough players who've been playing in the NBA for 10, 12, 15 years who don't have rings, who are now ring-chasing Who are now going to whatever team they can sign a contract with because they want to get a championship and Tristan's going to have one laying at his feet if he stays here. I'm just not sure what the holdup is and it's interesting because everybody is staying very tight-lipped. Maybe it's because he has the same agent as LeBron and they're all really good friends, but there's been no leaks from anywhere out of, out of the Cavaliers front office or from his agent or anywhere else on what the holdup is, what the issue is. Usually you hear, you know, they're still, you know, arguing over offset language and this, that, and the other thing. There's no rumors at all. They're just apparently right now not even talking to each other. Tristan needs to get signed so that we can stop dealing with this and stop worrying about it. Um, Other than that, my calves are just going to plow through everybody next year.
0: Absolutely. I agree with you. (laughs) Final question. Can Urban Meyer keep the Buckeyes focused this year?
1: Oh gosh. That's a hard one. I think if anybody can urban can, I think he has a knack for making sure these guys' heads don't get too big to fit in their helmet, keeping them down to earth. He's already um ordered some discipline on a few of the guys for some shenanigans and um a couple of them are going to be suspended for that first Virginia Tech game and I like that because, you know, that's going to be a a big game to show me that they're ready for the season, that they're taking it seriously, that they're not underestimating the people who are going to be on their schedule. There's very little good competition on their schedule this year, but there are teams that will beat you if you're not on top of it, if you're not on your A game. We all saw one of my favorite historical games is Appalachian State in Michigan. And so if you're not paying attention to your business, these teams will beat you. They're not, you know – High school football teams. These are college teams that have something to prove and you're the, you're the big boy. You know, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. So they're all gunning for us. And I think there are a handful of coaches out there who can keep their team focused, who can keep their heads out of the clouds and who can make them do the work they need to do to succeed. And thank God we have Urban because he's one of those guys. He will keep them settled.
0: Kate, thanks for joining us here tonight. I appreciate
1: it. The time. You, you are very welcome. Cleveland Kate,
0: that's who she is, and I'll tell you what. Did I tell you she's an outstanding interview? She is great. And I'll tell you, 92-3 in Cleveland and ESPN 850 could do a great thing just by hiring this lady. She is unbelievable. And, you know, when you think about some of the things that she had to say, especially about the Browns, her and I don't agree on everything about the Browns. And I don't think Johnny Manziel is going to make it as a quarterback. She does. She, But like she said, she's not married to him. You know, the defense, I think the defense is going to be the stalwart of this team. And she's absolutely right, though, when we spend a majority of our time in preseason as Browns fans watching the quarterback derby instead of trying to get this team prepared to get into the regular season. This team is going to have to rely upon its running game. That's exactly what it's going to have to do. And if this team can't run the ball, especially in the middle of winter, what are they going to do? They don't have a quarterback that is going to be able to take care of things. But they've got two running backs, Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell, that are supposed to be the running backs of this ball club, but they don't get any carries during the preseason because we're so busy trying to figure out what's going on at quarterback. One team that isn't worried about what's going on at quarterback is the Green Bay Packers. And now let's go to our second guest here tonight on the Ultimate Sports Talk Show, Corey Nagel, the Ace.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: Macho Man Radio. Good, Corey. How are you doing tonight? Not
2: bad. Not bad.
0: Boy, it's good to hear from you. Tell me, what's it like to go into a training camp and be the fan of a team that actually has a quarterback you can rely on?
2: Well, you know, I, I live in Minnesota. And I grew up here.
0: You've still got a quarterback you can rely on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
2: know, I I, I live in Minnesota, so I it's I I've watched the Vikings and, and Viking fans kind of go through this every year. Who's who's it going to be? You know, they 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 go through you know Brad Johnson, Brett Favre. Now they're on to Teddy Bridgewater, who 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 looks like he should stick. But no, it's it's nice to go in knowing that that's the one position that uh, I mean the most important position in the NFL for for each team. It, it, it's nice to know that 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 Aaron's going to be under center. Um and and but now it's always hearing hearing about will he stay healthy you know they should you know they should contend if Rogers stays healthy so I don't know it's 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 nice to have uh it's nice to have that consistency there.
0: Well, uh, one one more question about the Browns, you know, Corey, when you look at this team, they could have had Sammy Watkins and Teddy Bridgewater instead they've got Manzel. And Justin Gilbert, you just cannot win consistently in the NFL if you make stupid decisions like that.
2: No, and when you think and when you think uh, Josh McCown's the answer, uh, it, it's just I, I, it, it's it starts at the you know the front office. That, that's where it is, and and I mean, looking at you know with the Vikings, they 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 got lucky with you know Teddy Bridgewater falling that far because um, Rick Spielman he's he's hanging his. Uh, his general managerial career on Teddy Bridgewater right now. And if Teddy Bridgewater pans out, he'll, he'll survive in Minnesota. But I, I don't know how the Browns can go year to year without without actually addressing that position uh, but and th- thinking that someone like Josh McCown is the answer.
0: Corey, you've followed the NFC North for years. Yep. Tell us, Josh McCown was with Chicago. What are we going to see out of Josh McCown?
2: <laughs> I mean... It's hard to say, you know. This is the guy that you know, 2000, 2003 knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs with, with the with the Arizona Cardinals, and and he's still in the league right now. You know, it's hard to say because I, I didn't think too much of him when he when he was with the Bears, um, in that little run that got him paid by by Tampa Bay. But I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what what. Is going to happen with Josh McCown? Yeah, maybe maybe he will pan out. Maybe he'll he'll, he'll play pretty well, or maybe he's just a, a placeholder until uh, they actually want to uh, uh, put Johnny Manziel in the driver's seat.
0: Well, I'm certainly hoping that they never put Johnny Manziel in the driver's <laughs> seat. But let's go let's go on to another subject. Okay, the NFC North. It's one of the great divisions of all time in the NFL. Used to be the NFC Central. Now it's the NFC North. Still one of the great divisions of all time obviously the packers have got to be the team to beat in that division i would think but talk about some of the other teams that are in that division the black and blue division and what do you expect to see out of this year's this year's
2: fight well you know i think it'll be a tough division to a certain extent uh, i i like i really like the vikings this year um you know they've um when it comes down to it they've they've drafted well uh they somehow managed to end up with several first round picks every single year and and they've and for the most part they've hit on it you know harrison smith he's uh he's one of the best defensive backs in, in the n f c north if if not the uh if not the n f c um he's uh he's definitely a cornerstone there um you know they they've got a young linebacker and uh, eric kendricks who's gonna step in trey wayne's he hasn't done much right now in the preseason but i think what it comes down to is number twenty eight's healthy for the vikings and that's and that's what matters um, I'm a little nervous now. You know their their offensive line. You know they lose Phil Loadholt, John Sullivan. He's kind of he's kind of banged up with a sore back. Um, but I, I think the Vikings right now they're they're the team that uh, they're the team to beat for second place. Um, but looking at the other teams, I, I don't know what to think of Detroit. You know Detroit does have a high powered offense, but they they lose in and Sue, they lose Nick Fairley. Um, and it just it just seems like those that was your uh that was your cornerstone right there on defense and that's where they were uh money last year is that they they stopped the run and they led the league in uh against the run on defense so losing those two guys man it's gonna be tough for the lions to actually wanna uh contend i mean they they might be an eight win team but that that defense is what they had to lean on a lot last year.
0: Can john Fox improve the bears
2: well, I think he will. Um, I mean, what it comes down to is the quarterback play. You know, is if is this Jay Cutler's last run in in Chicago? Um, Alshon Jeffrey, he's he's clearly a number one receiver. He got the most targets between any of the the Bears receivers uh, towards the end of last season. Matt Forte, he's still there, but their defense is terrible. I I just I I don't I don't see them. Uh, you know. Maybe even exceeding five wins this year. I, th- I think it's going to be tough for them. Their offense may keep them in games, but uh, the defense will let them down. But I think I think John Fox is the right guy to be there. I, I I mean the crazy stat that I that I've heard is is that this is the first um, head coach they hired with head coaching experience um, in the history of their organization. And and this is a this is a hundred year old franchise um, that finally looked outside of their own franchise or. Or a, co- or a coordinator, for that matter. But they bring in someone with head coaching experience, and I think John Fox is the right guy for the job.
0: You know, ever since he was a quarterbacks coach for the Browns years ago with Bernie Kosar, I always thought Mark Trestman was a great offensive mind. I've never thought he would make a great head coach, but he was always in my mind. A good offensive coordinator. It just proved that he's not a head coach in the NFL these last two years in Chicago, didn't it?
2: No, and, and, I mean, he, he, he came up through the ranks. He was with the University of Minnesota for a while. He, um, you know, he, he goes to the CFO where he succeeded, but I, I think right now he's in the best possible position he could be in. He has a younger quarterback and Joe Flacco. Um, the, the offense, it remains to be seen what what can be done with it, but uh, you you know you've got Steve Smith entering the last year of his deal. Bashar Perryman, he's when healthy, he should be uh be able to slip right in there. But I think I think what it comes down to, Mark Tressman, he's going to impact the Ravens um, by utilizing Justin Forsett. He loves you know he loves to get the running back involved. We saw it with Matt Forte last year in Chicago, but I think Justin Forsett sitting on a big year. Uh, with uh, with Mark Trestman as his uh, his offensive coordinator,
0: you know, a couple of years ago, you could have looked at Jay Cutler and said that he was one of the probably the second, maybe even neck and neck with Aaron Rodgers a few years ago as the best quarterback in the division. Now you could almost make an argument that he's the worst quarterback in that division.
2: Yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, when they go head to head. Nine times out of ten, Jay Cutler—he's just—he does not perform when he when he goes head to head with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it, it's been it's been a laugher lately when it comes to seeing the Packers play the Bears. Uh, I know that they they, they kick the season off Week One to, at Soldier Field, so I'm going to be really intrigued to see how how that how that comes comes to play with with Jay Cutler. You know, just coming out of the gate, is he going to be terrible right out the gate? We're going to hear um, about you know the Chicago fans wanting Jay Cutler out it, it, or is he going to play well? It's hard to say. I, I just every time I see Jake Cutler I just lose more and more respect for him because he doesn't seem to care about what's going on, you know, he just has that lackadaisical look which I mean that's I mean good for him. He's made a lot of money and he's had a quasi successful career. I mean he hasn't reached any kind of pinnacle, but he's played well and 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 he I don't know, he just it, it, it just I don't think that Jay Cutler will be a successful NFL quarterback. He'll be an okay quarterback, but that's about it.
0: Well, what is the injury, Jordy Nelson? What's it going to do to the Packers? Is that going to change their philosophy at all? I don't know.
2: Um, I mean, if you really want to throw me off of a fantasy football draft, tell me in the middle of a draft <laughs> that Jordy Nelson is out for the year because that's exactly what happened on Sunday. But I didn't draft him, thankfully. But, no, I you know, Looking at it, it's the one position that this is not a fatal blow to the Packers. Um, they, they've got they've got Randall Cobb. He'll step in. Devontae Adams. They they want to get him more looks. Uh, we saw that at the end of last season. But then they you know they draft a rookie in Ty Montgomery, who you know I don't know how much of an impact he'll have in the offense, but he'll definitely be uh uh have a big impact on the special teams. Uh, Jeff Janis is another guy they like. He he's a poor man's Jordy Nelson at best right now. Uh, and then Jared Abbrederis from the University of Wisconsin, he comes in um, as well. I don't know. I think they, I think they're fine. This is this. It it's on on the surface, yeah. It's it sucks. Jordy Nelson is the you know the hands down the number one receiver uh, for the Green Bay Packers, one of the best receivers in football. But when it comes down to it, they have talent there. They've won without him before. He was out. Uh, I believe it was 2012. He missed six games. The Packers managed to go six and zero without Jordy Nelson in the lineup. Granted, that they did have Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, James Jones, um, but this this isn't new territory for them. You know, when they won the Super Bowl in 2010, they had 15 guys on IR. Um, 2013, I know Randall Cobb was out the uh, majority of the season. Jarrett, Jarrett Boykin stepped in and he had a career year. So. Uh, Aaron, Aaron will definitely uh, help improve um, Devonte Adams, Jeff Janis, Jared Aberderis, These guys, I, I don't know. I, I don't think if if they were projected to win 13 games this year, maybe it drops them down to 12. And this is completely unbiased. I'm trying to throw. I'm trying to you know put my love of the Green Bay Packers aside. I just I think that it doesn't. It won't affect them as much as people think it will.
0: We're talking with Corey Nagel of Macho Men Radio. You can catch it on Blog Talk Radio. You can also catch it here at Ultimate Sports Talk. He's joining us here on the Ultimate Sports Talk show here tonight. Let's talk about the coaches. We've already talked about John Fox with the Bears, but Mike McCarthy, he's been with the Packers for years. Now, in the Aaron Rodgers era, they've had trouble making the Super Bowl. Is he in any trouble at all in Green Bay, Corey? No,
2: no. Um, McCarthy he is you know he's been there since two thousand two thousand six. 2006 he's only had one losing season it was 2008 um Aaron's first year other than that they've made the playoffs the last 6 years they've been the division champions the last uh uh 4 years and what it comes down to McCarthy he is um he, he makes his quarterback better he, you know he's he's a he's a fantastic coach um, I mean, he's approaching Vince Lombardi's win total, uh, with the Packers. That shows how, how, uh, how successful he's been there. Yeah, they haven't, they haven't made the, they haven't, haven't reached the Super Bowl since 2010 when they won it, but, um, they've been a threat. Last year, obviously we know what happened in the NFC title game, uh, but they, they addressed exactly what the problems were. They, they got rid of Sean Slocum, the special teams coordinator, um, Brad Jones, A.J. Hawk, Brandon Bostick, guys that were involved that 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 were terrible on special teams, uh, they're no longer there. Um, McCarthy hands over the play calling uh, to Tom Clements, um, offensive coordinator and associate head coach this year. Um, Edgar Bennett moves up to offensive coordinator. I th- I, he's Mike McCarthy wants to focus on the two, two areas that need the most focus, and that's defense and special teams, and um, I think we'll see that improve this year.
0: All right. How about Mike Zimmer? You being there in Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know he he came over from Cincinnati as the defensive coordinator with the Bengals for so many years. Now he's taken over the Vikings. What what are people saying about him in Minnesota? Everyone
2: loves Coach Zimmer. I mean, he's he's the uh, I think he's the real deal. Um, you know, he's he's older. I um, know I think he's pushing sixty, but it's his first head coaching sh- shot and and. I think it's the right spot for him. You know, he's a he's a no nonsense kind of guy. He doesn't care who you are, um, whether it's uh, a guy like Cordero Patterson, who the Vikings gave up four draft four draft picks to move up in draft, and and he's not performing at all. So uh, you know, it's it, it's one of those things where Zimmer Zimmer he's he's uh, until proven otherwise, he's the guy in Minnesota.
0: And Jim Caldwell, that guy seems to have the worst luck in the world. He takes <laughs> over Indianapolis, they lose Peyton Manning. Takes over Detroit, he loses Farley and Sue What has this guy ever got to do to prove that he's a coach in the NFL?
2: I don't know. It, it, it's it sucks for him because you know they they lose all this talent. Um, uh, and uh, I don't know. I think they've got they've got enough talent on offense uh, where you know. They'll, like I said, they'll, they should get to eight wins. But what he needs to do is he needs to address the defense and see exactly wh- who will step in in place of those guys. I know they they bring in Alodi Nada. Uh, they lose, I believe it was a uh, Glover Quinn for the season with a with a injury, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know. I, I just it, <laughs> he seems like a great guy, but you know, it's just he's one of those guys where. Uh, you're kind of danged if you do and danged if you don't, and, and he's, uh, he's definitely going to have to figure out, uh, that, what's going to go on in that defense.
0: Is Abdullah the real thing?
2: You know, I've, I, have i have seen glimpses of him in the, in the preseason. I haven't, I haven't really sat down and focused on Detroit Lions football, but, um, you know he was he was in the Big Ten. He played w- really well at Nebraska. Uh, when I saw some of the the, go- the Gopher games uh, that uh, uh, that they would play, but uh, I think so. Uh, I mean it's 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 not a matter of if he'll you know overtake uh, Joyke Bell. It's a matter of when because what it comes down to is Joyc Bell will somehow in some way get hurt and uh, Amir Abdul will step in and I think he'll just take it and, and run with it.
0: All right, now you being in Minnesota, let's talk about Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Just how close were the Vikings to getting rid of him?
2: <sighs> um, I think initially they were uh, they were. I don't. I, I, when it comes down to it, I think it was more uh, with PR. Uh, you know, they 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 lost quite a few sponsors during that ordeal, but. I don't think they were ever gonna, they were ever gonna get rid of him. I think when it came down to it, um, you know, Peterson and his agent kept making plays to be traded, uh, or, or released, but then, you know, it, it they were, they planted, they planted their feet firmly in the ground and said, you know what, we're, we're gonna take this stance. We will, uh, not trade Adrian. If Adrian wants to play, he will play with us and only us. Um, it was, it, it was, uh, it was a bad situation, but the Vikings—they were—they weren't going to relent, and I, I give them respect for that. They—they they weren't going to be pushed around by a, by a, a player and his <laughs> cocky little agent. But yeah, that—I that, that, I give them respect for that.
0: Did he really want to go to Dallas?
2: I don't know. Uh, you know, I—I I, I think that. I think he wanted to go somewhere where he could start and I think you know, I think that's why we kinda heard all these little rumors about Jerry Jones always liking Adrian Peterson, et cetera, et cetera. I think Adrian's always been about one thing. He's been about himself. And that's what's bothered me the most about Adrian Peterson is that Adrian Peterson is I have never heard him talk about wanting to win. We go to a Super Bowl. It's always, I want to be the best running back in the league. I want to be the best running back in the history of the NFL. I want to, you know, run for 2,500 yards. I want to break Walter, uh, uh Emmett Smith's record. I want to do all this stuff. It's never been about the team. And I, I don't know. I think whatever he, he wants to do whatever would make him, um, a better brand. And if it was going to Dallas, if it was going to Arizona, I think he would have done it.
0: Well, as you look at this division, Corey Corey Nagel, our guest here tonight, the Ace from Macho Men Radio. As you look at this division, obviously Green Bay has got to be the favorite, but is there another playoff team in the mix in this division? Yeah, I think
2: I think the Vikings are. I, I uh, when it comes down to it, I, I I think the Packers they'll they'll take it with other twelve or thirteen wins. Um, that's with the Nelson injury. I'm well aware of that, but uh, I, I think the Vikings are sitting on nine or ten wins. Um, that would probably be it. I, I think uh, looking at Detroit, seven, seven, eight wins, and then I said Chicago, they'll be lucky to get to five just with how bad that defense is. But I, I do think the Vikings get in. Um, I think Bridgewater's sitting on a big season. You know, he's got uh, – You're making me sick. It really – the Vikings locked out that he, that he fell that far. I know, and, and, but trust me, the fan base wanted Johnny Manziel here. That that was no uh, <laughs> no secret. There were there were a few media guys that actually wanted to see uh, anyone other than Johnny Manziel here. I know uh, Paul Allen, voice the Vikings, he he said Anthony Barr was going to be their guy, and that's what they took. And and he was right on that comp, but he wasn't. Uh, Predicting them to, you know, jump back into the first round, which they've done so many times over the years, and uh, they bring Bridgewater in, and you know, it, it just goes to show you how these pro days and the combine, how, how much that stuff doesn't matter, because you know, Teddy Bridgewater was by far, I think, in my opinion, the best of the rookie quarterbacks last season, even better than Carr, better than uh, Bortles, and certainly better than Manziel.
0: Oh, I, I would definitely agree with you on all three of the quarterbacks that you threw out there. I, you know, when it came down to the Browns' pick that night, I wanted Derek Carr. I would have been happy with Bridgewater. The rumor is, is that they had Bridgewater's name on the card to take up to the commissioner, and Jimmy Haslam stepped in and said, because some hobo on the side of the street told him to pick Manziel, so Haslam went into the draft room and said, we're taking Johnny Manziel, and they quickly scratched Bridgewater's name off. <laughs> It's amazing what an owner can do to screw up an organization.
2: Yeah, I mean, that I mean that's where you know you need to have the owners, you know, the owners write the checks. I'm sure it's it's they want to be involved, but when it comes down to it, I you just need to leave the the football business to the guys that know the business, and you know, sure, I'm sure Haslam wants uh, uh wanted the the PR. Uh, I don't know nightmare, or if you'd call it that, with Johnny Manziel. But you know, he he wanted the uh, he wanted to be talked about, and, and certainly they are, but for not the right reasons right now.
0: Corey, I would be amiss if I didn't ask you this question. It's kind of a twofold question: the Tom Brady situation. Does anybody outside of New England and Indianapolis care about this? And is anybody just you know? I mean, when you look at this court case. Is there anybody outside of me that thinks that this judge is telling Roger Goodell, settle this thing because you're not going to like how I'm going to rule? Yeah,
2: I I think so. Everyone here, I mean, in the Midwest, we just want it done. I mean, we don't care about it. I don't care about it. I stopped caring about it, you know, months and months and months ago. It's just too complex. You know, Brady is, yeah, if he did what he did and he lied about it, sure, you know, uh punish him for lying but for, you, you give a 2 game suspension for you know beating a beating a woman um and you know, there's others you know short suspensions 2 games for uh pot or or, or whatever but the, but, the, but then you know 4 games for allegedly um deflating footballs it's just such a bogus story um i i'm sick of it and I just I wanted to go. I, I'm I'm two weeks from tonight. Real football will be played, and hopefully it'll be in the past. And I'm and what I thought Tom Brady would be suspended for a game or two, I think he's playing in two weeks. I really do. It's it, it, you just you can't go on circumstantial evidence right now, and I think that's what the judge is trying to say.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Corey. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, we're
2: I'm at the Ace eighteen, and uh, we also go on at Macho Men Radio.
0: Sounds good. Corey, thanks for joining us here tonight. Be sure to tune him in on Macho Men Radio. You can hear it on Blog Talk. You can also hear it here at Ultimate Sports Talk. Corey Nagel, thanks for joining yeah, us here tonight on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Corey Nagel, our guest here tonight on Ultimate Sports Talk. Our thanks to him. Also, our thanks going out to Cleveland Kate, Kate Arhar, for being our guest here this evening also on the Ultimate Sports Talk show. Hey, wanted to let you know that tomorrow night we are beginning our second year of of high school football coverage here at Ultimate Sports Talk. It will begin at 6 o'clock, and we will be bringing you Golden Bear Rewind from 6 until 6.30 here in the East Coast. And that will be the final quarter of the previous week's game, so we're going to go all the way back to October last year to play you the final quarter of the Wayndale-Smithville game. And then at 6.30 will be our PNC Bank pregame show, and at 7 o'clock, the kickoff with Pat Mitchell and I as we'll be bringing you all the play-by-play of Wayndale and Tusky Valley in Apple Creek, Ohio. should be a very entertaining affair. And don't forget, coming up on Monday night, Mark Donahue and I will kick back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. We're going to do that on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, our fifth consecutive year of doing that. That will be at 9 o'clock. The Indians are out of last place now They've got one more team to jump. They're five games out of the wild card slot, but 18 games out of first place still. They've got a shot at the playoffs. And then we'll be back again next Thursday night with another ultimate sports talk show beginning at 7 o'clock, so be sure to join us then. Our thanks to our guests here this evening, Kate Arhar, Cleveland Kate, and also Corey Nagel from Macho Men Radio. Our thanks to Greg Mitchell for producing the show, but most of all, our thanks go out to you here this evening for listening. I'm Dave Mitchell. Join us again next Thursday night with another Ultimate Sports Talk show. Until then, have a good week, everybody.